the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. God makes the observation, not necessarily for God, but for us. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper like him. God instituted and purposed marriage. Recognize that God designed you and I. He designed us for fellowship, for community, for companionship. And all of this is predicated upon the foundational reality of holy matrimony upon the institution of marriage. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall the mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Oh, nothing is impossible Hello and welcome to The Grace to Live radio broadcast With Keith Crosby Senior Pastor here at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. It is such a blessing that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today, and we would like to encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith begins a brand new teaching series that he has entitled Family Matters. Pastor Keith will share with us the many important reasons that point to God's design of this most sacred of institutions. Now here's Pastor Keith with part one of his message entitled, it takes a marriage. Family matters matter to God, and they should matter to us. God instituted the family. We know that. Uh, so we live in an era where, where family is being redefined and marriage is being redefined. And, you know, family is the most glorious thing you'll experience probably after salvation this side of heaven. And it can be among the most heartbreaking, too. Uh, and so we're going to deal with family matters. There, are, Let me just give you some of the sermon titles and that you can be praying about, looking forward to. The next two weeks, it takes a marriage, one and two. Uh, then it takes a husband and a wife. Uh, it involves strong communication and relationships. Family includes conflict. Family includes and involves parenting. Family involves parenting prodigals. Uh, family involves worship, and it takes commitment. And these are the things we're going to be talking about over the next eight to ten weeks. So just be in prayer for that because family, you know, your family can lift you up and sometimes, unfortunately, they can knock you down. And we're going to be dealing with all of that, parenting, everything. So just be in prayer. Invite people to church, particularly if they're married, thinking of getting married, or if they have a family, or if they're even struggling as a family. So just be in prayer for that. This is a big series, and it will go on through the fall. 
Our first message in this series is It Takes a Marriage. That's where we're starting out with It Takes a Marriage, part one. And today we're going to get into that. Uh, Marriage is foundational to family. And marriage is under attack and under assault in our culture. Families cannot rightly exist and function without a healthy marriage. Family begins with a marriage. Make no mistake, so goes the marriage. So goes the family. So goes the church. So goes the culture. So goes the society. Marriage is the cornerstone of society and civilization. Tear at the fabric of marriage and you have torn at the fabric of society and civilization. I can't emphasize that enough. Even today, you look around, marriage is directly linked to crime rates, uh, social upheaval, you name it, and that's it. I mean, marriage, it all starts there. I can't emphasize the importance of a man and a woman in a healthy marital relationship, parenting and training their children, and how that has a pebble-in-the-pond ripple effect through our society. And just to kind of give you a flavor for that, I'd like to show you a video that speaks to that, the effects of marriage and parenting on our society. In 1960, 5% of America's children entered the world without a mother and father married to each other. By 1980, it was 18%. By 2000, it had risen to 33%, and 15 years later, the number reached 41%. Barack Obama, who said, We all know these statistics, that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. The Journal of Research on Adolescence confirms that even after controlling for varying levels of household income, kids in father-absent homes are more likely to end up in jail, and kids who never had a father in the house are the most likely to wind up behind bars. So goes the marriage. So goes the family. So goes society. And you know, this isn't a criticism of single parents who are struggling to raise their kids in a difficult world. This is about a system or a mindset that minimizes the importance of marriage, that fails to understand how critical marriage is to our society. I want you to have a good marriage. I want you to have a good and healthy, joyful family. God wants you to. Forget me. God wants to, and he wants to show you how. That's why we come with instructions. So today we start on marriage because you won't have a healthy, happy family, a functional family, a functioning family without a good and strong marriage. If you don't understand marriage, life is tough. If you don't understand God's design and God's plan for marriage, life is tough. I know I didn't when I got married. My wife and I were both new believers Next door to a pagan, I mean, I had been saved for months, not years, same with her. And we went into marriage with almost a, a secular mindset. I'd work hard and pay the bills. She'd take care of the home. She was an accountant. She did what she did. I did what I did. And, you know, and that's not the way it's supposed to function. And as we learned and felt and studied our way through marriage over the next three years, over the next lifetime together, changes were made. Marriage is is just understanding marriage, I just can't emphasize it enough, is critical. So let's open our Bibles to understand marriage. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. We'll be in verses uh, 18 to 24. And let's do a little survey so that we can understand marriage as the basis and foundation of the family. What we're going to be doing over the next 
two weeks is asking and answering seven essential questions so that you can rightly wrap your mind around and internalize what marriage is all about. We want to understand family matters by understanding marriage. And to do that, you have to ask and answer these questions. Question number one. Question number one is this. Where did marriage come from? Now you're like, come on, Keith, this is, you know, marriage 101. But I'm not so sure everybody gets that. Where did marriage come from? Who created, who defined, who instituted, who crafted marriage? And the short answer, of course, is God, right? The short answer is God. We see that in Genesis 2, verse 18, and, and verses 22 to 24. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And he brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. What's going on here? God has created everything. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, you have the helicopter flyover of, uh, of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then you move into a more detailed analysis. He kind of swoops down low, and you see the orderly progression of creation. And then in Genesis chapter 2, you sweep down even lower, and you see the creation of man and the institution of marriage. And what we see here is this. Marriage came from God, not man. The act of marriage, the process, some would say, of marriage came from God. You see that in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. All these animals were there. They were there, male and female. Man looks around. He's on his own. It's an object lesson. God makes the observation, not necessarily for God, but for us. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper like him. God instituted and purposed marriage. Recognize that God designed you and I, he designed us for fellowship, for community, for companionship, and all of this is predicated upon the foundational reality of holy matrimony, upon the institution of marriage. Look at Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God, knowing his plans for creation and knowing how the race would continue, the human race, he instituted marriage. A man would leave his father and mother, be connected to his wife, join to his wife, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Some people call this leaving, cleaving, and weaving. You leave the, your parents' household, you come together, your parents are no longer the, your primary relationship, the husband and wife are, and they become a team, they become a unit. God made man. We need to understand this. God made humanity. He made men and women and put them together in marriage is the foundational means for caring for the creation. And that includes caring for children and caring for each other and ultimately caring for, the, for their extended family. In Genesis 1, and 28, we get a flavor of that. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Let them have dominion, stewardship over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every other creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so, and God, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created man in his own image. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and of the heavens and of every living thing that moves on the earth. 
God created a complementary team, male and female, in his image. He provided a context for the growth and expansion of that team, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, childbirth. He gave the marriage, the family, the mandate to manage what he had made, exercising dominion, subduing the earth, doesn't talk about exploitation. People today import modern thought into these older words. It has to do with caring, it has to do with stewardship, responsibility. They're to care for the creation, all that God made, and they're to care for each other. That's what marriage is. That's where it came from. Because marriage comes from God, it only makes sense that the purposes of marriage come from God and not men. This is the implications of the fact that marriage comes from God. Marriage came from God. He designed marriage. And you know, if he made it and he designed it, we do well not to tamper with it, not to redefine it, not to alter it, not to end it haphazardly. You know, people today have this way of saying, well, yeah, that's the Old Testament, but I'm a New Testament Christian. Or, you know, Jesus never taught on this subject or that subject. And when they say that, I always want to say, is that your final answer? Because in Matthew 19, 4 through 6, Jesus cites the Old Testament teaching on marriage as his authority, as authoritative. And in Matthew 19, 4 through 6, we read this. And let me just set this up for you. The Pharisees are coming to him and saying, hey, can you get a divorce for any old reason? Because there was this thought process that you could. There were two warring thought processes. And Jesus answers them. And in answering them, he speaks to the origin of marriage and the nature of marriage, the permanency of marriage. And he says this in verse 4. And he answered and said, have you not read? Now he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who should have known better. Have you not read? that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And what does he cite for his authority? Verse 5, and said, quoting Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. They're bound together. And look what he says next. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. You know, a lot of times you hear that in weddings, what God has joined together, let no one separate. That's a command of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ here is affirming God's authorship, God's creation, God's design, and God's instruction as it pertains to marriage. And Jesus Christ is teaching that marriage, and he is affirming that marriage is permanent. We shouldn't mess with it. We shouldn't break it apart. That it is designed by God, and it is for one man and one woman. And we do well to obey God and not men when it comes to marriage. Because marriage came from God, marriage belongs to God, and it's not ours to toy around with or try to re-engineer. So, in answer to our first question, where did marriage come from? It came from God, not men. That brings us to our second question. Question number two. So what is marriage? You know, we're thinking, you always think, sometimes we get into topics, but we don't back up and investigate them as carefully as we should. What is marriage? What is marriage? Marriage is a number of things. And we'll distill this from Ephesians 5, 28 to 33. We'll understand what marriage is. What is marriage? And I want you to notice again what happens here in Ephesians 5. Just like Jesus refers to Genesis 2.24. Just like Jesus cites the Old Testament as authoritative. So does Paul. Okay. So verse 28. What is marriage? In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. 
because we are members of his body. Verse 31, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see to it that respects her husband. What is marriage? Marriage is a union of an entire man and an entire woman wherein they leave the other relationships of this world and become committed to each other for life. And for, Paul, for Paul's authority, he's quoting Genesis 2.24, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Think of it this way. Marriage is a comprehensive partnership where two people become one flesh. Now let me tell you what that does not mean. Because some people say, oh, you know, today particularly, you know, the pundits and everything... Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that there's perfect uniformity. There isn't, it doesn't mean that there's a loss of identity or individuality. It doesn't mean any of that. You can be one and yet have and be different. You can, a husband and wife can have different ideas, interests and gifts and expertise and dislikes and personalities. They're not necessarily becoming a carbon copy of one another, but they do complement one another. In my own life, I'm kind of a big picture guy. And Terry is a detail person. And we balance each other out. But we're a team. We're one flesh. The most important individual in my life and in Terry's life outside of Jesus Christ is one another. It's not our parents. It's not our children. It's not even you. Sorry. It's each other. We are one flesh. God has joined us together. That's what... And so it doesn't mean a loss of identity, a loss of anything like that. So what does it mean? It, it, what does marriage mean when you're looking at this passage? It means a lifelong comprehensive union of an entire man to an entire woman, to each other. It's a complete partnership of a man and a woman in every aspect and inch of their life as long as they both shall live. It's unity, not uniformity. It's a comprehensive sharing, not a constrictive sameness. Let me give you some pictures of that. What's today? Some of you are thinking, well, it's the finals of the U.S. Open, but yes, that's true. But it's also the first day of football season, right? And a football team, and a football team has players, but they all perform as a team. Every member is equal in nature and essence to the other, but they have different roles and they have different goals. Think of an orchestra. You have woodwinds, you have brass, you have strings, you have percussion, but they're all playing the same music, the same symphony. Better yet, think of, of, a, of a green sweater. You see this green sweater and you get real close and you see that there are blue and yellow threads. And these diverse and different blue and yellow threads come together to make a green fabric. That's a picture of marriage. Sharing openness, transparency. In the intellectual area, you share thoughts and ideas with each other. In emotions, you enter into each other's Good days and bad days and social relationships and activities. You have friends in the same circle. You share friends together. There are no, a guy doesn't have a secret friend that's a girl and a girl doesn't have a secret friend that's a guy. Those days are over, right? In work, you share in each other's wins and losses. In the spiritual world, you share and minister together in the church. In the physical realm, you share yourselves with one another in the sexual content, enjoying the gift that God gave you. In the aspirational realm, you share each other's hopes and dreams. And in difficulties and trials, you feel each other's hurts and you enter into each other's struggles. That's marriage. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. It's not about me and you, it's about us. After God and Christ, the primary relationship is with one another, not parents, not children. 
What is marriage? Marriage is a means by which God completes us bringing us into a permanent relationship with a member of the opposite sex forever. Marriage is a means by which God makes us whole in a way that we could not experience by being single. And this unity or oneness is not each person abandoning their identity but contributing to a greater whole. This is a terrible analogy but it just popped into my head and I probably shouldn't use it. Think of the Beatles, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, right? You know, only two of them really were really great apart from the Beatles, but as a team, they were fabulous, at least as musicians, not so much morally or culturally. So, yeah, marriage is also this, and I don't want you to miss this, because some people think we're going to get married, and I'm going to change him, and, he's gonna, I'm gonna, and she's going to change me. That doesn't happen. What you got before you got married is usually what you get for the next 30 or 40 or 50 years. Therefore, marriage is a sanctifying relationship. Why? Because you take this sinner here and you take that sinner there and you put them together and you put them under one roof and you have an exponential increase in conflict and opportunities to grow in grace and marriage teaches you how selfish you are and how selfish other people can be and that you all need grace. It is a means of spiritual growth. Now, I've never had those problems, but I hear that other people have, so... Okay. Marriage is also... In addition to an entire a unity, a unification of an entire man, an entire woman in every aspect of life, marriage is also a picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Again, back to Ephesians 5.28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. It is a mystery, but it's a picture. You know, the bride of Christ. You have male-female pictures here. Jesus is the groom, the church, all of us are the bride. And it's a picture of how he relates to us and we relate to him and how we should relate to one another in marriage. How can two truly, spiritually, and in every other way become one? That's a mystery. And that's why it pictures Christ and the church as a mystery as well. Because we are unified with Christ now. But we are going to be unified with him in a way that we've never imagined before on the other side of glory. Marriage is a picture of this now also. Because this is one of the reasons that God hates divorce. Christ would never abandon his church under any circumstances. And the church would, should, the real church would never abandon Jesus Christ. And that's why God hates divorce. And that's why we have this Matthew 19, 4 through 6. Have you not read he who created them from the beginning, made them male and female, and said, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. You try to tear a garment apart, it rips. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Now we will talk later on about the acceptable grounds of divorce next week. But right now we're talking about where marriage came from and what marriage is, which brings us to question number three. Just to review, marriage is a permanent union of one man and one woman in harmony with the purposes of God that pictures Christ and the church, and marriage came from God. Question number three. So why, why is marriage necessary? Why is marriage necessary? God instituted marriage, as we alluded to earlier, to provide companionship for humanity and to care for everything care for one another and to care for the earth. Why is marriage essential to humanity and society and to the world? We go back to Genesis 1, 26 through 28. 
you know, a lot of times we want to have 50 or 100 verses. There are. But I'm just giving you a manageable handful that you can sink your teeth and your mind and your hearts into. And I'm hitting them again and again. Spaced repetition over time helps us learn, comprehend, and synthesize things. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. We so very much want to thank you for taking the time to join us today to study God's Word. And it's important that we let you know that we feel so blessed that you join us here each day on the program. Please remember, Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside Church would love to hear from you. So please take a moment to drop us a line or shoot us an email to let us know how we can be praying for you. Here's how you can contact us. The church mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can also visit our website at hillside.org, where you can find out more information about Pastor Keith, view our calendar of upcoming events here at Hillside, and also get information on our service times. If you're close to the San Jose area, we would love for you to join us for worship. We are now offering two Sunday morning services here at Hillside Church, the first beginning at 9 a.m. and the second starting at 10.45 a.m. And we'll be continuing with our Spanish language service at 1 p.m. every Sunday afternoon as well. Remember, if you need more information on this or anything else happening here at Hillside Church, just visit our website at hillside.org. Well, we hope you'll join us again next Sunday at this same time as we continue with our Family Matters teaching series. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, may the Lord richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.